We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Clint, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. Y'all can call me dirty from now on because I plan on getting dirty with George's ass. I'll give you the politically non-correct answer. Let the nuts hang. Let the fucker fly, man. Well, you never know what the hell is going to go on in Morgantown. You get off the bus, it smells like straight whiskey. Whatever 50-year-old white man's out here doing a gritty that night, you know? Whatever. But no, I'm serious. The lights went out. Don't worry, guys. Don't worry. It's Dabo doing the gritty. I say right foot creep. Cheers, boys. Football playoff edition, fellas. We've been waiting since August uh, to kick off a show like this, uh, like we're doing tonight. George Whitfield rolling with Christian Hackenberg, Trevor Knight. Fellas, how are we doing? I'm living the doing dream, good, George. Good, good. Uh, I'm excited to see what you guys got on this tonight. We are powered by Bet Rivers, produced by Dagan Hughes, Trevor Valise, college football playoff. I cannot wait to get in this first hack. I know I opened, you know, on our, our pre-production meeting here, just asking about the cold up there. You said you guys were good. It was minus such and such. Now you're back up to 70. I'm glad to hear that. So that means you're back out on the hunt. Yes. Yeah, we're out and about doing what we got to do. But Trev, you guys are still down there skiing the streets. Yeah. Or no. No, we're, we got, I, I think I was in my bathing suit today out getting a little sun and, Letting the chest hair flow, so we're we're back in the uh, the good weather down here in Dallas. Okay, deal. Yeah, back back down there. I'm sure you played the back nine. Um, mm-hmm. 
played the back nine down there with uh, with everything going on down there in Dallas. Sorry, I'm distracted watching uh, Michael Penix rock and roll. College football playoff preview. We're going to go over some other big bowl matchups, uh, off-season news. We've got the toast of the night. So if, you, if you've been rolling with us per our tradition, grab something to sip. You're going to be with us for the next hour. We got a couple big heavyweight matchups to discuss. We've been talking about them all year or the possibilities. Everything is fixed and set now, so we're going to go into that. Fellas, first, toast of the night, favorite player, coach thing. Hack, we'll start with you. Yeah, so th this is arguably my favorite time of the year in college football. You got both season. There's all kinds of fun matchups. You have a lot of uh, momentum heading into the offseason for certain teams. Uh, sometimes these game means means more to programs than others, and I think – no other program in the country arguably capitalized on this uh, bonus game than the Duke Blue Devils talking yes, about coming, coming, uh, coming from, from, from worst to first here, nine wins um, after a pretty atrocious showing last year. So here's to the boys down there. Maybe we got another basketball school becoming a football school. Who knows? Keeping it on Maybe. theme for the field of, field of 68. So here we go. I love it, Hack. Uh, I'm yes, gonna. Sir. It's a tough night for me once again. Um, <laughs> my Oklahoma Sooners uh, lost, creating a losing season. Uh, six and seven is now how they finish the season with the loss to the Florida State Seminoles in the Cheese It Bowl tonight. Um, I hate losing, but I am gonna give credit where credit is due, and I think it's a really neat story. Uh, my toast of the night goes to the head coach of, of the Florida State Seminoles, Mike Norvell. He inherited a group that um, was, was a subpar group, to say the least. In his first year, they go three and six, miss a bowl game. In his second year, they go five and seven, miss a bowl game. And now in year three, under Mike Norvell, the Seminoles get a 10-win season uh, and really set themselves up to go into the 2023 year uh, with a little bit of momentum. First bowl appearance for Florida State since 2017. I think that's crazy wow. to think about that with wow. the logo that they wear on the side of their helmet. But Mike Norvell, 10-win season in year three. Uh, toast to you, my friend. Here, here. Wow. Sounds 2017? So Sounds strange just saying that. Damn. 17. And, and those of you watching, especially the younger viewers, I know we we pull high with you guys. 11 straight seasons. There was a time 15, 20 years back, 11 straight seasons, Florida State finished in the top four. That's the reign of dominance these guys have had unparalleled, unparalleled, even by Alabama. 11 straight seasons they've been out in the wilderness Great job for Norvell and fellows to that point, And I'm sure we're going to get into this off season, preseason, next season. There is a rolling momentum that whatever success coach prime has at Colorado puts pressure on coach Norvell of Florida state. Cause it all leads all roads as they're saying for coach prime leads back to his alma mater at Florida state. That's where he ultimately wants to go and whatever buzz reclamation project, you know, construction that he's building in Boulder puts pressure on Coach Norvell. But you're right, Trevor, big win for him tonight. Uh, 
to sustain those guys. And, and, you know, they've been working awfully hard. My toast for the night. Uh, my toast for the night is uh, the, the game we just had here in San Diego. Drake May. Drake May came out and put on a show. Fun to watch the Ducks and the Tar Heels go at it down here at Petco Park. But Drake May, not all the time are all these guys, do guys kind of meet the hype or the discussion or the buzz or however you want to say it. We just talked about a quarterback pre-show. None of us can even like identify a reason why he he's why they sing about him the way they do. But in terms of Drake May, could make a case he's kind of underrated for the type of throws, type of plays, instincts, talent, toughness. Uh, it was exciting to watch into Mac Brown. Tar Heels came all the way out here uh, and put on a show, even though the Oregon Ducks won, but Drake May put on a show. Strange to raise a toast to the guy that got beat, but I'm going that way anyway. Drake May, sir, good luck to your offseason. All right, shall we jump? Field of 12, we hope you guys are rolling with us. You can find us on everything. You can get your app, uh, your gear at the uh, at the store, fieldof68.shop. You can see us on all the apps. Field of 12, we're going to be going into Tennessee and Clemson. Joe Milton versus Kate Klubnick. That'll be interesting. The Roman Army in Kansas State. Alabama and Kansas State will be locking horns. Bryce Young and Will Anderson are both stepping into this game. There's a reason why that's a big deal. We'll go into that here in a little bit. Tulane and USC will be going at it. We'll have a chance to see the Heisman Trophy winner. One more encore. And Utah back in the Rose Bowl last year. They played in a classic against Ohio State. This year, Hacks, Penn State, Nittany Lions will come see them down here in Pasadena. But, fellas, we start with the two heavyweight bouts, Georgia and Ohio State. All last year, we called these guys the White Walkers because they just looked invincible because they played invincible because they were. And I watched Kirby Smart today on an interview, and he goes, this isn't last year's team. We're different. Yes, we're still tough, but we beat people in a different manner. And he also kind of gave a lot of credit to Ohio State. He said, listen, one of the most consistent programs over the last five, 10 years, he goes, that it's a miss to like downgrade them for what you saw in one half of football. Trevor, how do you see this game between the, the Bulldogs and the Buckeyes that's getting ready to take place in Atlanta? Yeah, I think the interviews by both head coaches uh, said a lot today. You mentioned what Kirby Smart said. They're a very different football team. But conversely, Ryan Day got up and said, hey, nobody's given us a shot because of the way that we played against Ohio State. So we're going to put our boots on. We're going to go to work, and we're going to come out and play the best game that we can possibly play. I think that says a lot. They both know where they stand. Georgia, the obvious favorite, the, the, um, the reigning national champion, and then an Ohio State team that just got punched in the mouth and is yet to be known how they get up and, and go back to battle. Uh, th this one, as most people in the country right now, is sitting on the edge of their seat waiting uh, for, for Saturday night. I am extremely excited for it, uh, specifically in the quarterback play. I think you take Stetson Bennett and the consistency that he's shown over the last several years um, – this gives him another opportunity in a big-time ball game to go out there and just play even keel, solid football like he's been doing for so long. 
conversely, you have a huge opportunity for C.J. Stroud to step back up to the plate and hit it out of the ballpark as being one of the best quarterbacks in college football right now. So really excited for this QB matchup amongst others. But uh, I think both teams know where they stand. It's going to be a fun one to watch. Hack, before I just pitch the ball to you and you take it wherever you want, yeah, are the Buckeyes being unfairly or over-the-top penalized for one game? Yeah, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, perception's reality and the way that um, – and and I've I've dove into the way that that Michigan game turned out and and the optics of it and I I think it was a completely different story than what the scoreboard reflected compared to even last year's game and what happened right I, I you just look at it you watch it the explosive plays Michigan was able to capitalize on um, they ended up coming and, and biting Ohio State in the ass like I said I think they gave up three hundred something yards in five plays six plays right so. That's very, very tough to overcome. But the vast majority of that game, Ohio State was, I'm not going to say dominating, but was beating Michigan for the vast majority of that game. And they got, you know, you just can't let that happen, right? And good teams don't let that happen. And and I think Ohio State's coached well enough to overcome that. Um, but when I when I look at this matchup with Georgia, you sent over an interesting thing, George. You know, we 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 text pretty regularly here at the field of twelve in our in our group chat and. and this is the battle of the two most talented rosters in America. When mm -hmm. it comes to recruiting, you look at the amount of five stars they have, the amount of four stars, just the depth and breadth, breadth of the way that both of these programs have created cultures of competitiveness and toughness. Um, and I really hope that Ohio State shows up the way that I think they're capable of, because if that's the case, I would not be surprised if this is the most dangerous game for Georgia in the college football playoff. Um, I, I know I've been really, really high on Ohio state all year. Um, even after the Michigan loss and, and maybe I'm not giving enough teams out there to, uh, you know, enough credit, but I, I just watched this Ohio state team and I really don't think they've played to their capabilities yet. And they've got this chance. And Trevor, you made a great point about Ryan Day's perspective on it and the way that he's probably preaching the messaging that he's preaching to his team. Uh, really, since the since since the since the Michigan game was, no one's giving us a chance. We're as talented as anybody, and it's time for us to go prove it. Um, and I have enough confidence in Ryan Day and the program for them to be able to do that. So, so to 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 kind of, I hope I answered that question, George. But I, yeah. I mean, you know, to me this is the most intriguing matchup of the college football playoff. Yeah. The, and the most heavyweight one. Yeah. To your point, hack, when we were all looking at that in our group chat earlier this week, five star players on their roster of the four teams in the playoffs, Georgia has 15, five stars. Ohio state has 14, four star players. Georgia has 53. Ohio state is 52. And three-star players, Georgia has 17, Ohio State has 16. You can't get more equal than that. Converse to that, five-star players, Michigan has three, and TCU has one. That's it. Yeah. So, yes, it's been built on teams, and, yes, these staffs have done a hell of a job of development, but it's a whole lot easier and better to develop a guy that's a five-star than develop a two-star or a three-star. They, they come in and loaded – 
And let's uh, not get it twisted either, George, because I want to say this. I think this yep. is a I think this is a point that all of us will agree on. Stars, you know, you could take them for what they mean, right? But yeah, at the end true. of the day, but at the end of the day, when you're when you're evaluating a player coming out of high school, they have a certain skill set, they have a certain body type, they have certain attributes to earn that, right? Whether whether it's whatever four star, five star, whatever it is, if you're considered in that elite group, you have something. And ultimately it's about where you go and how you get developed. And both of these programs do a great job of doing that. So this, it's not just like getting a flash in the pan, five-star guys. These guys are used to developing talent like that. They're used mm-hmm. to developing talent like that, putting them in situations to be successful and putting them in situations to be highly productive at the college level. So for me, like you said, man, when you just roll the rosters out, if both of these teams play to their best of their capabilities, maximum capabilities, this is going to be a straight up slug fest. So I'll say this, too. You look at these matchups. I mean, this is a college football playoff committee dream. The way that it kind of shaped out, if it was any of these other teams in any other positions here, right, Georgia playing either Michigan or TCU first, not near as appetizing to me. I want Georgia playing Ohio State because I think it's the best matchup. And then that at least gives you the opportunity if Ohio State can knock off Georgia – and Michigan can knock off TCU to get the the matchup in the national yeah. championship that would bring in just a ridiculous amount of money to college football. I mean, oh my gosh. I, I think that I, I I love these matchups for the semifinal, and and regardless who ends up in the final, I think it's a great storyline. Trevor, Ohio State has to do what to come out with a win in this? I think two things, um, and and they're very foundational football, but it's been characteristic of of Ohio State this year. They've got to run the football. Yep. They've got to run the football so they can have a balanced attack, and then they've got to have a defense that comes out with their hair on fire, and whether that's forcing turnovers, minimizing explosive plays, um, or, or just being sound all game long. It's defense, and it's running the football, in my opinion, if Ohio State wants to have a chance to beat Florida or to beat Georgia, excuse me. Hack, your opinion, you go the same way with that. Yeah, yeah. I I think, you know, Jim Knowles lives and dies by the three ball. You know, I, I've talked about it a little bit. I, I I host another show with Josh Perry and he and I talk about it as well. He's okay with giving up four or five explosives because he expects those explosives to be able to be overcome by the by the overall productivity of that football team. Mm-hmm. Didn't happen against Michigan, right? So so I'm curious to see with this amount of time how he approaches this game. Physically, I think they match up fine. Uh, they're going to have to force Stetson Bennett to beat them. I think they're going to have to force Stetson Bennett into some third and longs, third and mid-range where you know he's dropping back and throwing the football and you need to be opportunistic and be able to get a couple takeaways. And I, I I'm just curious to see the overall – game plan defensively in terms of how they approach this game and then offensively I think you make a great point they have to be able to run the football and CJ Stroud has to just facilitate to these playmakers some of these other guys have to step up outside of Marvin Harrison Jr a lot of talent in that room we've talked about it all year but I think some of these other guys have to emerge as true threats to another team so he they take a little bit of pressure off of 18 Um, if they can do that I fully expect Ryan Day to have a great game plan and be able to punch and counter punch with a Georgia defense that's going to come out with their hair on fire as they have with every game that has a bunch of light and 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 meaning to it. Um, 
they're going to be able to counterpunch better, better so than like a Tennessee did, right? Because a Tennessee is who they were. I think this, mm-hmm. I think this Ohio State offense has a little bit more flexibility to to mold themselves and, and and kind of react to the environment as opposed to try to force their style of play down someone's throat. So it'll be really interesting to see how 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 those two things. So it's more of a schematic thing and how they put these guys in positions um, and what they're willing to give up and what they're willing to try and take advantage of. I agree on the flexibility part, Trevor, with, with what Hack is saying. They can mold. We watched them get into some barroom brawls. They got out of that Notre Dame battle. Uh, they were into a couple other, but Northwestern ugly enough performance, but they were still willing to just get in the corner and trade body blows. They could get into a track meet. Question for you, Trevor, you want Stetson Bennett to do what if you're Ohio State? You want him doing what? If Stetson Bennett, I mean, you know, a super athletic quarterback, you try to contain him. Uh, young quarterbacks, you, you want to run all type of disguises and try to confuse him. Stetson Bennett, I, th- I think we had it in the chat. He's older than Lamar Jackson. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it's not all about how many games has he played, just the, the age and maturity. Now, of the four guys, he's the most mortal of the four quarterbacks in the playoffs. But if you're Jim Knowles, what do you think he's been preaching or what do you want Bennett to do? And you're like, if we get him to do these type of things, we, we walk out of here with a win. So, so I'm going to look at it through uh, the Georgia side. What, what do you need Stetson Bennett to do? All right. Um, you, you mentioned one of them. He's an old guy. He's been in, in this game before in a playoff and, and even been in the next one and one. Yep. Valuable. So you use that, use that maturity and your whether it's your age or just your experience and bring everybody down a notch. Calm mm-hmm. everybody down. Be looking mm-hmm. at it on the sidelines. I want him real active on the sidelines. And then from a playing standpoint, I don't need you to make the big play, dude. You got personnel that can make all the plays for you. Um, personnel nightmare for, for an opposing defense with the tight ends that they have and the way that they can shift out and go and put their hand in the dirt and everything like that. Just, just hit the open guy. Simple as that. Go through your progressions, make your reads, pick the correct side on, on quick game. Um, take a deep breath and, and make your pre-snap reads correctly and just go out there and operate the game like you've been doing for the last two seasons. Don't try and be a hero now when you're back in the spotlight. So that maturity and, and, and just that, Hey, let's first downs into touchdowns mentality. I think it's going to be very important. Now, if you're Jim Knowles, do the opposite. Get right. pressure on him. Force him to try to make the home run play. Try and make Georgia one-dimensional so that he's going to have to make plays with his feet and his arm and everything else. Because like you said, he's, he's the mortal one. They've got superheroes all around him. He's the mortal one. So if you want to get in his head and make him feel like he's got to make all the plays, you got a shot if you're Ohio State. I want to roll this to both of you before we roll it to Michigan and TCU. Who is your non-quarterback X factor in this game? This guy will tilt the balance for you, Hack. This guy will tilt the balance for you, Trevor. Um, For Ohio State and for Georgia. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pat, go ahead. Man. Oh, that's so tough. Um, you know, I think Ohio State's stable in the running back room is is back to full health. And I think that they're going to have to get some explosive plays. Um, not to take away, I, I, I really do think that defensively, Ohio State needs to be able to force Georgia. They need to – Georgia is so dependent, and even their personnel, it's so dependent on them being able to work off of play action and that's what creates space and and problems for the tight ends because the linebackers and safeties have to worry about run responsibilities and then cover these guys who are freak shows down the field. So like, let's take all that out of the way. I really think it's going to come down to offensively for Ohio state, like Trevor said, being able to run the football, be two dimensional, create a pose a threat there. They have home run ability in that backfield. I, 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 with a healthy stable, I expect that backfield to be the focus for me, the X factor, Ohio state's backfield. Mm-hmm. Trevor. I'll say this. I know we want to keep pointing the finger elsewhere, but um, the strength of Ohio State outside of, of their quarterback is that receiver room. And so yeah. I think the next factor is Marvin, Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, the, the way he's bursted on the scene, the plays that he's made. Um, don't try and go elsewhere in a game like this. Sure, you need to be, like we've talked about, but he's still going to need to make big explosive plays for for them to win this football game. So he is the definition of, a, of an X factor for me. That's Ohio State and Georgia locking horns here in the uh, in the night in the primetime game. The primetime game. I think they're the second game of the of the back to back eight a. Yep. Yeah, eight p.m. That'll be exciting. Uh, can't wait to see what the ratings number is going to be on that. It just seems like all of America rolls right inside to go see these heavyweight matchups. Buckeyes draw. Ohio State, six-and-a-half-point dogs. Trevor, quickly, who do you got? I got Georgia winning this football game. I think it's going to be phenomenal, but the experience that Georgia has, its I've, I've talked about it before, the been-there-before factor, if you will. that That is a huge deal, not to mention, I think that Kirby Smart has really come on the scene as uh, as that coach that has figured out the formula to repeat to repeat the guys, to buy into the system, and to keep it going. So I like Georgia in this game. Score? Uh, I'm going to go Georgia with a seven-point win. I think they're going to score some points. I'm saying 42 to 35. Oh, interesting. Mm. Pack. God, man, this is so hard uh, because my gut's telling me to go with the dogs. My gut's telling me to go with the dogs. <laughs> As a voice, but then I'm gonna, but then I'm gonna look, but then I'm gonna look like a, then I'm gonna look like a Big Ten homer, 
and it's no disrespect to Georgia, but I personally want to see a Michigan-Ohio State rematch for the national championship. I think America wants to see that. Um, so so I'm going to go with Ohio State, and I think it's going to be a very slim margin. might be three points, something like that. Um, I do think that there's going to be points scored – Maybe like a 38, 35, oh 32, 35 type of ball game. But I got Ohio State winning this game 38 to 35. Going that's with the dogs. Same, that's the exact same thing I have. Same team, same outcome. Hopefully it's a field goal and with some drama, maybe even overtime. That'd be great. 38, 35. I have the exact same thing. Ohio State wins that. Now let's go see the kickoff to the doubleheader out here out west. In Phoenix, Michigan, TCU, these two kind of have these big flowing stories. Michigan, they're running it back on a redemption season. TCU is the wedding crashers. Here they go. Uh, Let's start right off the bat. TCU. TCU has to be able to do what? What, which aspect? They're, They're a slow starting team. Their defense is like they're gamers, but, but they have the weakest defense of the four and their quarterback is a vet, uh, but he's grown a ton, probably the most growth of all four quarterbacks this season, especially given to where he started the season out. Uh, Trevor will go with you first TCU. We will have a real idea that the game is theirs through the first three quarters. If they're able to do what. I'm going to start with a funny here. Um, if they're able to push a, a wheelchair out on the field and keep Max Duggan in the football game, I think they're in this one. That kid, <laughs> I mean, what he has shown in terms of toughness, the yeah. blood, the tears, the limps, the, I mean, the guy is tough. And, and if he can make it through four quarters in this one, I think that TCU stays in the football game uh, just based off of willpower alone. That being said, they're going to have to play their best football game. I mean, there's absolutely no doubt about it. They're clearly the underdog in terms of talent. Um, They're riding the wave. They're on the magic carpet ride, if you will. It's been an incredible season to watch. (laughs) They just don't necessarily have that oomph or that firepower um, that that a Michigan team has. Or I guess prowess is a better word. Mm -hmm. They've got players. They've got firepower. So maybe that's the wrong word. But they they don't have the oomph of a Michigan team. And, uh, and Michigan knows that. I think, you know, similar to what we were talking about in terms of storylines surrounding the Georgia-Ohio State game, this one is very known. Georgia's – I mean, uh, Michigan's the favorite. TCU's the Cinderella. Can they stick around? Can they not? If, if Max Duggan can come in and play like the runner-up of the Heisman Trophy and, uh, and Sonny Dykes can, can get this team going in the locker room before the game, I think it'll be a good football game to watch. Hack for it to be a great game to watch and for TCU to have that chance that Trevor's talking about, do they have to go kitchen sink mode on this? Do they have to have exotics on special teams? Well, for the, for not to nerd out, but do they need an onside kick for no reason? Do you need a double pass? Do you, do you have to get back in the back chapter of the playbook for this? I I think there's a fine balance, right? And you talked about slow starts. I mean, Michigan's had their spell of slow starts this year as well. So I think that's going to be a very astute point, especially with all or or something to pay attention to as a fan. There's, there's so much adrenaline and so much hype coming into these games. You you can 
hardly imagine, I think, as a, as a normal fan sitting there, what, what goes through these kids' minds. And I think once the dust settles – if both of these teams can come out fast and, 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 and flare, I think the, the first two quarters, I think could be really, there could be a lot of fireworks in these first two quarters on both sides of the ball, mainly because of what Trevor said, Max Duggan, as long as he's in this ball game, I got, I know it was a loss in the Kansas state game, but I, I, the, the, the fucking nuts on that kid after that performance, it, it, I got a ton of respect for him. It was very, very impressive. So as long as he's on the field for the Horn Frogs, they got a shot. Um, but I really do think that, that the, these two teams, you know, they have some similarities. Uh, the kitchen sink may have to come, but I think TCU has to be careful with it. I think they have to use, um, be strategic, and, and feel it within the game. But without a doubt, I think that they're going to need some some help, whether it be a special teams play, a couple of big turnovers, a pick six, something crazy like that. They're going to need some help and be able to continue to ride that momentum throughout the game if they're going to if they're going to ultimately pull this off. Uh, I agree with you. I agree with both of you. The thing I'm going to be curious about, Michigan defensively looks like they have 13 guys out there. Like they always hold leverage. They're always in position. They always sound. rally as a group. It's a very sound group. Very sound group. There are no. They don't play hero ball. Secondary has always got their eyes and hands out. Uh, backers are always like scraping and cutting and flowing like they. They're all on a string. Offensively, Michigan is a downhill deal. And Trevor, you don't have that in the Big Twelve. You don't have it in the Big Twelve. Michigan easily will throw two, three tight ends in there. Here comes a fullback in there. Even though if they're, you know, breaking and building formations and all that stuff, they're still going to find a way to come down on you at power. When they're going three, four, five yards a clip, and they're really in no hurry. Some of that slow start is just because they march, and they're not really a track team. They've shown some trackability against Ohio State. But will TCU, just like when I was asking Hack on just – from a team mode standpoint, you got to go kitchen sink some. Will their defense have to break their typical protocol style, investing more in the box, trying to add a little bit more pressure, trying to throw things off? Otherwise, you're going to be on a set of train tracks like a train in a, in a Ford F-150, and you know how that's going to go. They're only going to move one direction. Am I right? Yeah, you are. You are. <laughs> And that's the that that is the perception coming into the game. But I'll say this about TCU's defense: for it being a, a extremely offensive-minded program, Sonny Dykes being the offensive guy that he is, and and the way that they they chunk it around on that side of the ball, I've been impressed with the way that TCU has answered the bell. They don't have a good comp, right? I, I think the best comp that they have is is the backfield at Texas, right? They, mm -hmm. Which is a phenomenal backfield with B.J. Robinson and uh, and Roshan Johnson, um, which I think is every bit as good as any backfield in the country. But you don't have the big boys up front at Texas yet that, that a Michigan does. And so um, they, they have risen to the occasion when it comes to that. But this is one of those games. I, I, I'll relate it to, to – um, mojo going up against dallas carter odessa permian dallas carter and friday night lights the movie obviously one of them is bigger more talented they're going to walk in there with bigger size but it's all about what kind of heart does does tcu come out with 
And for for one game, can they give it all that they got to make it to the show? Mm-hmm. And um, again, they've got some pieces of the puzzle. They've, they've shown some brightness. They're just going to have to put it all together and leave it all out there on the field. It's going to be fascinating. I'm so excited to watch that. And you're right. Watching Max Duggan reminds you of uh, think of any running back or quarterback. I mean, you may even have to go all the way back to somebody like Cam or Tebow who relishes the contact and you think he's down, but you got to invest three more guys to drag him down. I want to move to this. The San Francisco 49ers last three, four years, I think have the most talented roster in the league and they play the most physical brand of football in the league. Weapons all over, one of the best coach teams. And then there's Jimmy Garoppolo, winner. They love him, but they use him conservatively. You guys watched that a year or two ago when they're at Green Bay. I think he only threw like 10 balls. And then another playoff game, I think he threw like 14, 15 balls, like very conservatively. But they like him as the tip of the spear. I see that a lot with how Michigan rolls with J.J. McCarthy. Winner, they love him. They use him sparingly. But he, they, they're like, listen, you're driving a tank. So we don't need you to do all this extra. No, just plow stuff over and fire when we call for you to fire. Is that a similar comp? I'm just going to roll this to both of you. Is that a similar comp, Niners and Garoppolo, McCarthy and Michigan? And – what will McCarthy have to do in this game? Have to, or what will they trust him to do? Hack, I'll go with you. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a, 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 a fair comp. Um, you know, to me, we, we always say we, we want to see explosiveness from the receivers. We want to see explosiveness from the passing game. And, and even the Ohio State game, I mean, he threw a hitch and they whiffed on a tackle in, in cover zero and the dude ripped it off for 80 yards. And then they blew another coverage on a on a corner post and he threw it to a dude who had next closest defender was 15 yards from him. So, you know, I'm not taking anything away from him, but or or, or anyone on Michigan's team, they they dialed those plays up and were able to to to, to execute when they needed to. But um yeah, I just don't know because Michigan really hasn't had to get away from who they are. And I don't know if TCU is the team to force them to do that. Right. So for JJ, yeah, I mean, just go in there and do what you're asked to do. Coach, do what your coach to do, execute um, on the plays that you're being asked to execute, which he's done all year and just keep being who you are. And when I think the, t- the, the thing is, I think throughout his career, especially at Michigan, if this team stays built the same way, right. A very good offensive line. That's he's going to learn how to do those things. He's going to learn how to use his legs more. He's going to learn when he can be a little bit more aggressive. Maybe there's this pure progression with an option and he sees the option and can throw the post over the top because he's been baiting that safety all day long, throwing the basic, throwing the shallow. Right. So there's some things that he can do and and learn and grow into. Um, Will he do that? for the college football playoff, I think he's going to need to at some point in time. I don't necessarily think it's going to be against this TCU team though. So, you know, for JJ, just, just keep doing what you're being coached to do, man, do everything that got you here at this point in time. And then I think start learning, start going back, start watching games and start seeing those moments when you could have taken something or you could have gotten to this, or you could have maybe used your legs. Right. That's what I'd be doing, especially with all this extra time. You you know, you're basically a pro football player right now. You're not in class. Like, those are the things that I would be doing if I was him and if I was the coaching staff coaching him. I'd be I'd be showing him those on a daily basis 
because whether it's whether it's you know against against TCU or whether it's against the next team if they end up winning this game, he's going to need to do it at some point in time, and I just think it's good for his overall maturity. He will get called on, Trevor. Trevor, let's let's go back and do the same scenario we just did with Stetson Bennett. TCU's defensive staff looking at their guys when they started bowl practice and they found out who they got. You would imagine they're saying we need to get McCarthy into what kind of situations. If we get him in these situations, the game is ours. Yeah, let me let me start here. Just looking at the quarterbacks as a whole in, in this playoff. Two of these guys did not start the season as the starter, and they're in the college football playoff. I think that's unbelievable. And JJ Playing McCarthy, each other. Yeah, absolutely. Playing each other. Uh, I think that's unbelievable. Now, Hack, you had a lot of great points about J.J. McCarthy there. And uh, for for the group of four quarterbacks in this playoff, he's the one that I have the least confidence in. I think everybody does. Um, and the one that just hasn't risen to the occasion. You look at all the others, it's like, man, these guys either were a superhero or they've risen to be a superhero. And he just doesn't have that place. And and we've talked Wait, a lot. We'll pause right there, Trevor. Just um, Just pause real quick. To Hack's point, though, their brand of ball hasn't pushed yep. the, the quarterback right. out front. It's not Andy Reid and Mahomes. It's what Shanahan and Gar- they do a Garoppolo. Well, and, that, and that's what I was about to say. We keep talking about Notre Dame not having a quarterback in the first round. Who was the last first-round quarterback to come out of Michigan? It's been a long time. Yeah, I mean. I, I can't I can't remember who. Henny? Right. Was Henny a first rounder or was he second a second rounder? rounder? Henny was second or third. Maybe Dagan's got that. It might be further. It's easily further past yeah. Brady yeah. Quinn. That's, yeah. That's a great so, point. So, so to yeah. that point, Michigan's never really had that superstar superhero at the helm. And uh, with the success that they've had, I think they understand that. So, Hack, you made a great point about going back, watching the films, making sure that he feels comfortable enough to go out there with confidence and operate the way that they just need him to operate. They're not asking him like the other three guys to go out there and make big plays. Stetson Bennett, we talked about that a little bit. They, they want him to be a game manager, but he but, still makes big plays. And that's the thing, though, is is Stetson, and we talked about it, Stetson being 25, he's, he's battle-tested, been there, done that. Like, he made the dumb young mistakes, and they were able to overcome it. Like, he's he's further along in his overall development as a quarterback within a system like that. Right. Um, this this Michigan yeah. coaching staff is still saying, hey, we like this guy. He's yeah. gotten us here, but I, I, I'm not going to just put the ball in his hand when the game's online. Like, that's right. not the direction that we're going. And so, you know, if, if I'm TCU, make him uncomfortable. Put pressure on him. Um, uh, make him, make him for, force some turnovers. Make him throw into some crowded coverage. Uh, do what you do on defense to make him feel like he's playing within the trees. And, uh, and and force him to get the ball back in your offense's hands if you're TCU. Uh, I, I think that's the best thing that you can do. And obviously minimize that run game, which which comes with, with putting pressure on your quarterback. So, um, you know, shutting down the quarterback at Michigan is not going to win you the football game necessarily. That's a killer point right there. Because yep. of what they do uh, on defense and in the run game. But it still is uh, it still is important in terms of, of this matchup. I have your answer. There's yes, only sir. been one quarterback draft in the first round for Michigan. Jim Harbaugh. It is Jim Harbaugh in 1987. 
1987. That comes from wow from our producer Dagan Hughes. Jim Harbaugh is the last and only first round quarterback Michigan's ever had. That's crazy. That's something. That's wild. Mm. Uh, Field of 12 after dark college football playoff edition. Just to reset this, uh, Christian Hackenberg, Trevor Knight, George Whitfield, uh, powered by Bet Rivers, produced tonight by Dagan Hughes. We're getting ready to go into the rest of the matchups. We got some uh, some more games to go through: Orange Bowl, Sugar Bowl, Cotton Bowl, Rolls Bowl. Uh, but we just we just want to make sure that you guys get a chance to reach in with your questions. Uh, hit us up. Uh, if you want to talk about your team or you got questions, you can find us on any app, Field of 12, uh, College Football After Dark. Fellas, let's go into some of these matchups. And this is starting to become like we all need to just go ahead and get our heads wrapped around it. Bowl season. If it's outside the playoffs, it's almost like you're looking at twos versus threes versus whoever's left behind from free agency and all the rest of that stuff. So you don't really know who these guys are couple of these guys we do. Let's start right now with the Orange Bowl. Tennessee and Clemson will get a chance to lock horns. Now, this matchup two months ago, almost to the level as the as the first two games. Mm-hmm. We could have had that as a, as a college football playoff. Now, both teams come into this game without their El Capitan. Uh, Hendon Hooker. Uh, horrible injury that he suffered. He's out. Now he's obviously getting ready for the playoffs. And Clemson will be going with Cade Klubnick. DJU has made his transfer decision. He's gotten realigned. He's coming out west to Oregon State. So that gives you a Joe Milton-Cade Klubnick matchup. Both have played a little bit. Milton played a lot last year for Michigan. What are your biggest impressions walking into this game uh, in the Orange Bowl? Hack, I'll start with you. Yeah, and and this is not a knock. I I think for Tennessee, it's really simple. Can they recapture some magic that Hendon Hooker obviously brought? And I I think it would be very ignorant for anyone to say that his impact on that offense and that overall program top to bottom is going to be really, really hard to replace. So can they show some semblance of um, maturity in terms of being able to pick up that slack? Because it's going to be a group effort. Joe Milton is not going to single-handedly do that. Um, he's got a role in that, but can they overall say, Hey, this Tennessee program, we lost our valiant leader. We lost our Maximus, but can we, can we, you know, get this together and keep this thing headed in the right direction in terms of rebuilding Tennessee back to a national power? I think the bigger thing and the thing that I'm going to be watching is Cade Klubnick and, and, and Clemson's overall development, right? Mm-hmm. Because you have a young kid, um, another five-star, very similar to DJ, um, you're, you're talking about a program that's that's taken a lot of pride in homegrown recruiting kids and bringing them up within their program and their culture and developing them the right way. So are they going to are they going to be able to say that that, I, you know, just just to say this plainly, that that all that shit that happened the last two years was a DJ Uyungle problem. Right. And, and ultimately, the Clemson standard and the Clemson program has now found somebody to, to step in here, fill that void and, and restore and, and, it we're back on, we're back on track. Right. And we've done right. a good job of recruiting and refilling it. So for me, it's really watching Clemson and Cade Klubnick because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. Clemson's at that point now where, where you're talking about uh, the possibility of them being a fallen giant. You mentioned yes. the team earlier, 
to um, reseed back yeah, down. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you're talking about you know you mentioned a team earlier in Florida State who's coming up in the ACC. I think the ACC's got a lot of uh, every team in the ACC, every program in the ACC should be very very excited about the the opportunity that's there to grasp the the control of that conference. And, and Clemson's hanging on by a thread now, in my opinion, to 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 hold that crown and and, and be seated at that at that table that we talked about, George, of, of the, of the, of the, of the godfathers of college football of mm-hmm. sorts. So I think that's where I'm really looking to see is, is Clemson's program and their, their mindset. Was it a DJ problem or was it, um, you know, ultimately a, a failure at Kirby or not Kirby, uh, Davo Sweeney yeah. and, and, and the, and the Clemson, you know, culture uh, was, was that more of the failure? So that's what I'm going to be watching. Trevor, I, I think that's, that's dead on. It is going, we like, we're going to find that out because it, it really has been an indictment on DJ. Yes, they had some major offensive changes when Tony Scott left. He went to Virginia. That's who kind of recruited him and raised him. Hell, raised Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence and all the rest of these guys, Bryce, Chase Bryce. But we're going to find out now. They've had a month. Cade's had a month first time in his college football career that he's taken the practice field as the unquestioned leader of the team. Now they're going to go in here with a Tennessee team. That's going to come out pretty gnarly. We saw what they can do. They don't flinch and they do fire everywhere. Your impressions of what you would expect from this Clemson offense more to Hack's point and Cade. Yeah. I think that, um, I don't think we all realize how big of an opportunity this is for that young man, not just to step in. Now I'm the starter. I'm the clear cut guy, but to go and play your first significant game in a game of this stature that then you have to live all off season. Right. And not only, not only externally with what we all perceive in the fan base, but internally as well, this is an opportunity for him to go out there and play as hard as he possibly can and as good as he possibly can so that each one of those guys that's coming back to that locker room to start workouts um, day one of the 2023 season, which is not far away, they need to be able to look at him and go, man, you're everything we thought you were going to be and more because you showed us that in the Orange Bowl against Tennessee. And so where other guys have an opportunity to ease into it or – you know, have a couple cupcake games when they get named the starter over the offseason. He's now the guy, and they're looking at him to be this to, to be the general. And so it's a, it's a lot of weight on his shoulders. That being said, I think he's got the character for it, and I think that he's got the uh, uh, the, the, the the tools to be able to get that done. I watched. Well, he played play. great in the ACC championship too. He did. He, he did. Played and, fantastic. And, and so he's had a taste, but this is the one where he's got to come in and and beat a really good Tennessee team. That being said. When ten when when uh, Hendon Hooker went down, that Tennessee bubble that we were all loving watching grow and grow and grow, it just got deflated to me. It got really deflated to the point where this Tennessee team is is not near as exciting. And and that may just be perception in my own mind, but uh, Hendon Hooker was the catalyst to make this thing go. Sure, they've got players here and there, but but if they were going to have an extremely special season it was going to be on the shoulders of Hendon Hooker and nobody else. And so in this football game, believe it or not, for as bad as we've all talked about Clemson this year, I think Clemson is at least more stable from top to bottom on both sides of the ball, culturally, um, experience-wise, all all the different things you want to talk about. 
than a Tennessee team who had an absolute sharpshooter lead them down this path who's now uh, sidelined by injury. Quickly, I didn't get your score predictions on Michigan TCU. Hack? Oh, shit. <laughs> um, I got – I got Michigan winning this game 35, 17-21-ish. Trevor? Yeah, I, I have a gut feeling that Michigan's going to just pound the rock, pound the rock, pound the rock, and it's going to be, what would you say, a, a F-150 just moving down the tracks? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the wrong way. Headed, headed. Yeah, the wrong way. As, as hard as – I think TCU is going to come out and play, and it may be a really exciting first half. And, and shoot, it might be an exciting finish. I, I have Michigan winning this 35 to 24. Now, to, okay, and I, I've got Michigan 42 24. Clemson, Tennessee, quick on the Orange Bowl. How, how do you see it playing out score wise? Yeah, I think, um, I think this Clemson defense is going to show up uh, and play to their capabilities. Um, I, I got Clemson winning this this ball game. Um, I you know the score, who knows? I know Tennessee's going to come out and push it. I just don't think they're going to be as explosive and as dynamic as they were with uh, Hendon Hooker. Um, so I, I couldn't really give you a score, but I think I think Clemson wins this one by at least a score, if not two. And yep. I go the op. Go ahead, Trevor. Yeah, I got a ten point win by Clemson. Uh, actually, thirty eight twenty eight. And I'm going Tennessee 41-35. Let's roll over here to the, the Roman Army. Pretty quiet. And I, I wonder really what the statistics are for the team that's just outside the playoffs. How have they fared in their bowl game? Alabama is that team this year. They're going up against Kansas State down there in New Orleans. Those guys will be locking horns in the Sugar Bowl. Big news right there with all the kind of defections of guys saying, look, I've done it. I made it out unscathed. I'm not putting on another pad in college. Alabama actually gets its two co-leaders back in Bryce Young uh, and Will uh, Anderson. Both those guys, Nagurski winner, Heisman winner, they both elect to come back in for Nick Saban and play. That's probably the two best recruiting jobs that Saban's done this year. Your thoughts on this? Because it's a salty K-State team that they'll sneak around, hang around, They'll catch you when you're not looking. Sometimes catch you right when you're looking like TCU. Your impressions on this game, Hack, I'll start with you. Yeah. Uh, Trevor made this point a few shows ago. It, it speaks to the culture of Alabama that they don't have a single draft-eligible player opting out of this football game, which wow. is insane. Um, wow. You look at, at the fabric of college football now and how, how much of a norm that's become. And when you look at the type of players that Alabama has on their roster and, and, and what their futures look like for them to be able to come say, Hey, we're, we're going to finish what we started. Um, it may not have been the outcome that we wanted at the beginning of the year, but we're going to finish what we started. Uh, very, very impressive. And for that reason, um, I don't think this football game's close. And I think, and it's not not a knock on not a knock on Kansas State, but I think that this Alabama team is is um, going to come out with a purpose, um, and it's going to be a purpose that this team may not be used to playing with and for mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, a little bit more of that moral victory. But I think it's going to be one of the more important games uh, for 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 Nick Saban 
in terms of his legacy and in terms of uh, what this Alabama team is going to be remembered for. So I think they understand what what's at stake here. Um, you know, I, the, hell, this might be one of the first first Alabama teams that doesn't have some type of hardware coming after the end of the season, whether it be the SEC championship or the national championship, ultimately in a long time. So, um, you know, for me, I think that this is more of a moral thing, and I think Alabama is going to come out and 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 prove that. Uh, it is a big opportunity, Trevor. How do you see that? Do you do you see it kind of the same way as Hack? And then, what would your prediction be? You know, similar, but we haven't talked a lot about this Kansas State team. This Kansas State team, maybe outside of Utah and that win over USC in the Pac-12 title game, is riding a wave right now that is almost unmatched. And outside of the, the you know, the, the top four, this game might be the one I'm most excited to watch just because we don't know what we're going to get out of Kansas State. This team just beat a team that's in the college football playoff won the Big 12 title out of nowhere and is quietly got some players that has some has some crap to him, man. Like Deuce Vaughn is small in stature, but the dude just gets it done. Will Howard's playing phenomenal football at the quarterback position. Again, should they even be in the game with Alabama? Absolutely not. But I almost compare this one to um, kind of how we were when I was at Oklahoma to go play Alabama, Alabama. in the Sugar Bowl. Very similar type of matchup. Really didn't deserve to be on the field. Kind of a letdown that Alabama's not in the top four or playing for it all. Um, but we had some talent. We went in there. We executed our plan, and, and we got it done. Do I think that's going to happen in this one? No, I've got Alabama winning this football game. But I personally think it's going to be a little closer than we all think, just given the way that this Kansas State team is riding right now. I'll go with it. Cotton Bowl, Tulane and USC. Tulane now was flirting around with being a wedding crash for themselves. Pushed it, pushed it, pushed it. Got beat, uh, I think, early November. They will see the Trojans. And USC was right there on the edge. Win and you're in. They didn't, but... The quarterback still was the biggest show in the sport this year in the Heisman with Caleb Williams. Hack, will there be any drama in this game, in your opinion? Um, uh, There shouldn't be. And for USC's sake, there better not be. Um, Because, again, we talked about USC. They've been playing with house money all year. I think this is going to be a great year for them moving forward to build upon. Uh, by no means do I do I think that this is going to be acceptable for Lincoln Riley moving forward in terms of, of, of what they're playing for, you know, losing in the PAC 12 championship. I, I think Lincoln Riley has, has uh, really hammered home the point that this USC team is back. The expectation of greatness is back. And um, I think he's got the right people at the right key positions, a la Caleb Williams, to to really drive that home now. He's got him for two years. So um yeah, I I I you know, good for Tulane. I'm I'm happy they're here. It's a great, great thing for their program. But I think you're just talking about two completely different um two completely different animals. And when ultimately, you know, when you when you put them in a position where they both kind of have their backs against the wall and something to prove. Uh, I'm 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 going with the gorilla every time, and I think that's what USC is in this case. Uh, Trevor, I'm I'm astounded right there that Caleb Williams, um, you, you know, with all the defections and there's so much around him, and when you listen to the NFL people, 
say he'd be number one in this class. He's going to go play, you know, down in the Cotton Bowl against Tulane. But there's a football player aspect. A lot of quarterbacks are quarterback playing football. He's a football player playing quarterback. He just happens to be spectacular at it. It's impressive that he's he's stepping in, just like how you said about the Alabama players, every at-bat. I'm taking every at-bat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that that his personality and what he's shown over the last several months is that he's going to play to Caleb Williams' standard and not to anybody else's standard. And I think that's the, the key point to him in this USC team in this game is, hey, look, we're supposed to win. I'm the Heisman Trophy winner. I know I could come into this game and walk in here and everybody's going to be kissing my shoes and my head's going to be, you know, this big around, but I'm Caleb Williams. And, and I've got my sights set a lot further than, than the Cotton Bowl this year, even next year. I want to go play in the NFL and I want to go play for a long time and I want to be the absolute best. And I truly think he believes that. So I look for Caleb Williams to come out and absolutely light it up and play like a Heisman Trophy winner and not stoop down to his talent. And, and that makes Tulane sound bad, but you guys know what I'm saying. It and is I what it is. For, I look for USC to win this game handily uh, in Dallas. Lastly, the Rose Bowl. Uh, obviously, special attention <clears throat> played uh, paid on this show. Christian Hackenberg, son of Penn State. Penn State going up against a Utah team. Can the biker gang revive itself? And what will the Nittany Lions go into the offseason? What type of feel, what type of buzz, vibe, uh, you know, battle rhythm will they carry into the offseason after coming in here with the biker game? Yeah, I think um, I think this is really important for Penn State because they've, they've struggled in in bowl games under under Coach Franklin. You know, last year they lost to Arkansas, I think the year before. For that they may I I don't I think the year before that was pre-COVID so I think they beat Washington but then you know they lost to USC in the Rose Bowl so there's there's some struggles against these these types of these calibers of teams when you're traveling in 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 the uh in the bowl season Uh, I think that this is going to be very important for Penn State I think the last few weeks of the season they quietly were probably one of the better teams in terms of consistency and coming out and playing to their potential and, mm-hmm. and playing to the expectation of what that roster and what that fan base and what the coaching staff has for the, for that, for that program. So I think getting a win here is imperative for Penn state heading into the off season. And then conversely, I think it's also very imperative for Utah, right? You're talking about a team that, that lost a heartbreaker to Ohio state uh, last year in the same, in the same, in the same bowl game. And uh, the Pac-12 champions this year, so I think that both teams have a lot to play for heading into the offseason. Um, you know, obviously my my blood and 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 my my allegiance is hoping is hoping that the guys in the blue and white can pull it off because I think it'd be really good. I think they got a a, a great talent in Drew Alar. Um, so uh, overall development and overall growth as a program and, and development of that roster and taking that next step to competing with Ohio State and Michigan consistently. Um, this is a game that surface value you may not seem as as a normal fan the, the the value in a win and what that will mean for this team moving forward but if if you look at it um this this is really big for them so i i think cliff's going to come out and, and and give it all he's got and and try to leave on a high note and ultimately i think the rest of that roster is going to play for for guys like him and and, and the younger guys are, are going to understand the, the standard and the legacy that that he left and and the direction the program needs to go from here so 
Trevor, 50-yard field goal, no time left. Penn State pulls this off, yes or no? Uh, Penn State does pull it off, but if I'm USC and UCLA, I'm watching this game very closely because I mm -hmm. think it's a benchmark um, mm -hmm. for, for what they're about to get in here in the next couple of years. Without a doubt. That was our college football playoff preview. We've been waiting all year for this. For Trevor Knight, Christian Hackenberg, Dagan Hughes, Trevor Valise, who's single, ladies. I'm George Whitfield. Enjoy the games. We'll see you after we're out. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.